history. The four great broodmare sires, War Admiral, Prince Aquilo, Mahmoud, Blue Larkspur, appear too, even though no one around any of these foals is old enough to have actually seen them race. As thoroughbreds, Residual, Epic Steam, Frony Sis, and the as-yet-unnamed Bay Colt share some characteristics. They are active and inquisitive. They would rather move than not. Easing into a gallop is as natural to all of them as breathing. When they run, they look ahead about four strides, and their tails stream out straight behind them. They are born to go forward, nose aligned with neck, aligned with back, aligned with tail, as a border collie is born to follow the heels of a sheep, or a cat is born to toy with a mouse. All are evidently intelligent and inquisitive. They will follow anything that wanders through the pasture, noses down, investigating. They are exuberant. They are sensitive. They have opinions. They in general have too much of every lively quality rather than too little. On average, they are more closely related to one another than cheetahs. Nevertheless, even if they were all the same color, you could readily tell them apart. They say of epic steam, well, he knows who he is. Yeah, he knows he's a son of a bitch, or rather, the son of a son of a bitch. He's a big, burly colt. The farrier doesn't like to trim him, and no one else likes to do much with him either. He's resisted haltering, resisted grooming, resisted worming, and shots. He always gets saved for last, even though last is when everyone is tired and irritable. It puts you in such a bad mood to deal with him that it's bad for the other horses if he goes first. That's the justification. You can't approach him with affection, kindness, gentleness... But then neither can you approach him with firmness, dominance, aggression. He is worth a lot of money. His dam cost her owner $567,000, though she has amortized that expenditure with the three of her seven foals who sold as yearlings for two to $500,000. Land of Magic stud fee was $60,000. Epic Steam himself brought $450,000 at the yearling sale in Keeneland last July. Epic Steam is easily offended. He has high standards of behavior with regard to his own person, and every human he has met so far has offended them. Other horses aren't so bad. They've been capable of learning, and so they don't offend him. And he isn't mean with them, only bossy. It's the people who are blind and stubborn. Epic Steam would like to see a person, just one, who can pay attention and meet his standard. Almost two now, he is frequently termed a monster. Sixteen hands, with a great arching neck and ribs that spring away from his lungs and his oversized heart. His haunches are a county of their own. His tail streams like a black banner almost to the ground. Residual knows who she is, too. She is the one who is always walking around the pasture, stopping, lifting her head, having a look, walking on. She is the one with the meditative air. When they handle her, they've learned from her to wait just a second. The farrier asks her to lift her foot. There's a momentary pause, and then it's clear that she has decided, and she lifts her foot. They say that she's easy to get along with, and so she is. 
When she runs around with the other fillies, she doesn't barge to the front, but instead hangs back for a second and waits for an opening, then flows into it. She is fifteen hands two inches, well-developed and nicely built for two-year-old racing. She has big haunches, a graceful neck, and an attractive head that is short but beautifully molded. She has pretty, mobile ears. Her chestnut coat is richly colored, preternaturally fine. Her right knee turns out like her sire's. At the Saratoga sale, she brought a disappointing $24,000. The bay colt knows who he is, too, and so does his breeder, who simply calls him, Wow! The youngest of the four, he has not left home yet, so every day his handlers see that he has inherited from his grandsire, Independence, a gallop that is easier for him than standing still. His idea of relaxing is galloping around the pasture, speeding up, slowing down, turning, sweeping around a large curve. He works on his stride and pacing every day while others are sleeping, play-fighting each other, eating, except that it isn't work. It is his natural activity, his default option. He gallops in response to every stimulus. He isn't as big or as pretty as some other yearlings, and his conformation isn't perfect either. He has a long back, slightly swayed, and long hind legs. His neck is skinny. His head is a bit common, until you look at his eyes, soulful, long-lashed. He is pleasant to handle, but distracted, half-ignoring you, waiting always to go back outside. He was too young and undeveloped in the summer to go to a sale, and his owner is thinking of racing him. Fronny's sis is the only one who isn't sure who she is. Orphaned at a month old when her dam colicked in the night and died, she was put in with a mini-horse for companionship and fed milk from a bucket because she was too old to go to a nurse mare. The mini-horse was a patient fellow. He stood quietly near her, moved away from the feed bucket when she wanted to eat, grazed almost underneath her, even trotted around companionably while she romped and kicked up and galloped, but he wasn't matter-of-fact about things, the way a mare would be. He didn't nuzzle her much, and he wasn't possessed of that throaty, loving knicker that is a specialty of mares. Most of all, his interest in her wasn't the compelling element of his existence, as a mare's interest in her fall would be. A mare would be pushy and interfering and attentive. A mare would call out and trot over. A mare's body language would be telling the filly what to think and how to behave 24 hours a day, but the mini-horse didn't have a mare's body language. Already, culture has interfered with nature in the case of Frony's sis. The twigs of her personality are like the shoots of an espaliered apricot tree. However nice she becomes, she may never know who she is. Her owner, Mr. Kyle Tompkins, seems to own everything else in Central California, too— on a hot, sunny piece of land so vast and featureless that it offers no limits or resistance, Mr. Tompkins grows cattle, apricots, grapes, cotton, wheat, rice, and alfalfa, manufactures cosmetics, 
runs restaurants, a resort, a horse training center, a horse breeding center, a trucking company, a holding company, an asset management company, an insurance company, and a company that underwrites insurance companies. But he takes a personal interest in the racehorses. Frony's sis, he is named after Bob Frony's sister. Bob Frony is the guy down the road who developed the special formula for Tompkins Perfection Almond and Aloe Skin Revitalizer, Tompkins Perfection Skin Nurturing Kindness Cosmetics bestseller. Bob has recently mentioned to Mr. Tompkins that his sister Dorcas was the first tester of the formula and guided them toward the greaseless product that Bob finally came up with in his kitchen. In a fit of gratitude, Mr. Tompkins spent a day trying to decide between Dorcas, Bob's baby sister, and Frony's sis. One year, he named a filly Chemolita and a cold radiation baby because his mother was undergoing chemotherapy. His names are so odd that no one else ever wants them, and the jockey club seems always to give him what he wants. He names nearly a hundred foals a year and races mostly his own stock. The filly has not been easy to train, and Jack Perkins, who manages the training farm, is thinking of throwing her out in the pasture for another six months. Tompkins' worldwide thoroughbred breeding and racing, only the best, has plenty of pasture and plenty of water to keep it green. Everything about them now is speculative, mysterious, potential. On the 1st of January, when they will all turn two simultaneously, who they are, who they will become, how they will be known and remembered or not, will begin to take form. In a couple more years, everything will have been revealed. How they raced as two-year-olds.